Amen. Thank you so much. How many of you have been here since the first one that we've had, ages zero to five? Wow. Very good. Thank you. So I'm going to say a couple. I'm going to say one thing about that first class, and then the second class was, was like ages six to 12. How many were in for that one? Okay. Very good. And then, of course, uh, we did the one last week. So, yes. So um, I'm, I'm going to go back a little bit. Just I'm going to say one thing about each of the first two classes. The first class that we talked about was um, in the Bible. It says that we're to love our neighbor as who. So my question is, how do we love ourselves, right? So um, in the first class, and, and my my beloved couple back there is just going to have to bear with me that we're going to go over some of this stuff again. But, you know, I always use the, um, the example of the airplane flight and, and you're um, being advised by the flight attendant that if the oxygen level changes and the mask falls down and you have a young child with you or an older adult, who gets the mask first? You do, right? Because if we're on a plane and Sophia's sitting next to me, and I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, she needs to get the mask first, and I pass out, how does she help? How does that help her, right? So, so what I want you to do is think about this. The way that you take care of yourself directly affects the way you take care of everybody else in your life, right? So if I don't take care of myself, if I don't um, – try and eat right or get my rest or take time out for myself, what my grandchildren get, what my children get, what my sister gets, what my friends get is my leftover. And we know that when parents are exhausted and tired, when they tend to snap about things, right? Kids will tell me. Um, you know, I had a kid tell me the other day, my mom yells at me all the time. And I know the mom and I know probably why, because she's a single mom. I was a single mom, totally get it, um, and, you know, you just wear yourself out, and by the time you get home and you're dealing with the kids, I remember one of my sons was two years old, two and a half years old, I came home from work <coughs> as a single mom, and he just looked at me and said, Mom, can I make you a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? He saw immediately that I was tired, that I was, so, um, so I'm not impressed by people that say, oh, you know, I just go and go and go and I have no time. That really doesn't impress me. What impresses me is when people say, I live a balanced life. There is time for my church. There is time for my work. There's time for my family. There's time for me. My husband has his group of friends. I have my girlfriends. We have our time together. And then I have my time by myself when I'm like, I just need a day off. I need to be home. I need to be reading a book. I need to do what floats my boat, whether it's going for a walk. I need that to decompress. Because if I don't, everybody gets a stressed out Diane. And so I have Christians ask me all the time, so isn't that kind of selfish that we're supposed to put ourselves first? No, actually, I didn't write God's word. He did. We're supposed to love our neighbor as ourselves. And you, there's several meanings, but the meaning I'm taking is, how can you love your neighbor if you don't love yourself enough to take care of yourself? Okay, so that's kind of the little message I want to give you. And I want to, I would like to be able to be a little butterfly on your shoulder during the week to watch you through the week and see 
how you take time for yourself or you don't. Or do you schedule yourself for an appointment? Even if you're a stay-at-home mom. I've been a little bit of everything. There were years that I was a stay-at-home mom. That doesn't mean because you stay at home, you do nothing. In fact, even more so, that's when, remember, Mom's, mom's Days Out became popular. Why? Because we even recognized that when you're with the kids all day, you can go nuts, right? And so um, you just take your child, and even if you do absolutely nothing. I had a mother in my office the other day say, yeah, I'm going to do Mother's Day Out. Then I can go home, and I can wash, and I can clean. I'm like, no, that's not the purpose. You go home, or you go to the gym, or you go visit a friend, or you go have coffee with someone. It's not meant for you to drop off and boom, 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 right? So, okay, that's from week one. Week two, what I, we were, remember this was um, kind of our, our younger ages as well. And uh, Sophia, even on the way over here, it was classic because I thought I wanted to tell you all about this. So those of you all that have younger children or even grandchildren, um, you know how they ask the why? But why? Why? So what I do with Sophia is like last night, uh, we celebrated my birthday at my one of my sister's house. And I started asking her, but why? And she looked at me, I'm like, but why, Sophia? But why? She cut it off immediately. So sometimes we have to give them what they, a little bit of what they give us. So anyway, well, let's get started this morning. For those of you who don't know me, I am Diane Costa. I was one of like the 20 that um, that had the vision for Rock Point. I was the oldest of those 20. Um, I remember Ron uh, first met me when we got together at a house, and he, he looked at me, and as I gave my story, at that time I was a, a divorced mom, and he says he remembers thinking, we don't have anything for her. She's an older woman. She's um, divorced. And what I told him is, I said, I said, you know, Ron, what you weren't thinking, you were thinking about what you could give me. I had already gone through the time of needing to be fed because of my divorce. Now I was ready to feed. So what you weren't thinking of is what I could bring to you, the church. And now I'm with that older woman in the Bible. Okay? Not very attractive, but, if, you know, so, so that I can do what I'm doing now. Raise seven boys. I've raised seven boys, two girls. 14 grandkids, probably nothing that you're going to experience that I haven't experienced. Um, and what I haven't experienced, I've studied. Um, I don't subscribe to any one particular curriculum on parenting. I just don't. I think I've used a lot. I take what I feel is good and I feel like the Lord approves of, and then I take a lot of my experience. About a third of my practice is dealing with children, and that's anywhere from like 5 to 21. Yeah, they're children at 21. Um, so, uh, it, it's amazing the stories that they will tell you. Now, y'all may remember that, um, that we're going to do the teens in two Sundays. And I asked Ron last year when we d did this, uh, for this coming parenting class, could we, could I do a list of questions for our Rock Point kids, our teens, to find out from them what you need to be doing, what they're thinking, what's important to them. Because when I visit with clients, I, I, I visit with the child, then I bring the parents and I'm able to give them information about that particular child. Well, I didn't want to come on and talk about teens and just give you information about teens in general. I wanted to give you information about your teens. So uh, Ron let me do that. Case was great. It's a 10-questionnaire, and um, next week we'll be doing that. And we're going to kind of do like um, – 
survey says to see if you know what their answers to those questions might be. So don't miss it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, but I will tell you this. As I started to read through them, it's exactly what all kids tell me. It really is. Um, with some exceptions, I, um, you know, I asked them if there was something, what is their favorite thing about God? If there was something about God that they could change, what would that be? Um, and so I, I typically don't bring that into my counseling unless I've, get, I've been given permission to um, counsel from a Christian perspective. So, um, but anyway, it, very, very interesting. Very interesting. I'm just like having a hoop going through these um, questions. But, well, let's get started. Um, the handouts that you have, they're not all of what I have on here. I've really taken what I think are the most important ones for you to have. But let's just remember this. Rules without a relationship equals rebellion. So when I have parents that come in and they go, oh, we're having all this trouble with our child, with this teenager, he won't do this, he won't do that, you know, then I, of course, bring the child in, uh, kicking and screaming sometimes, absolutely. Um, but what I hear is, why would I do what they tell me? They never give me the time of day. You know, they don't care what I say. They don't think, of, they don't care about the things that are important to me. So if you don't build that relationship with your children and you're going to try and give them rules, they're going to kick back. It's like, think of it as a checking account. So, you know, in the good times you're, in, you're <coughs> investing, you're putting money into your account, you're depositing that money, and then there's going to be tough, hard times, right? If you look from a financial perspective, your water heater goes out. You have to withdraw some of that money to take care of that situation. It's the same with kids. You kind of invest, invest. Every day is an investment in your children so that when some of those hard times, those bumps come along, you're going to be able to withdraw because you've invested in them. What I see is that parents that don't invest in their teens, then they get into a rough spot and they try to withdraw, and the kids are going to have nothing to do with it. And so then you are not going to be their educator. You're going to be, their peers are going to be that. Other adults are going to be that. The other thing is you need to develop a poker face, okay, so that when your child comes, and I say child, but, you know, I know we're talking about teens. I still call them child, children. When they come to you and they say something that is, like, going to blow your socks off, you've got to do a poker face. Because if you're like, what? Oh, my God. They're going to think, well, I can't come to mom and dad about these things. They think they'd like to go off. So um, one of my sons was dating, and I think at that time he was about 19. And um, cute girlfriend, really liked her. You know, she was coming to church with us and everything. And, and one time she had already started calling mom, and one time she said, Mom, I just want to tell you, you know, I just, I'm so frustrated because he won't have sex with me. And I'm like, don't make a face, Diane. Just, just don't make a face. <laughs> and I said, but this is the thing. If he can be faithful to you to, and, and to honor you as y'all are single, just think, if y'all marry, how faithful he's going to be to you. And um, they ended up um, splitting up because she actually pressured him about that. And thank God, because she was a great girl, but I had no idea what woman God was going to bring into my son's life. 
and Karen, you, some of you guys know uh, my, my son married uh, Janet, who is amazing. In fact, I talked to her one time. I, I hooked them up, and, and one night we were sitting, and she goes, are you proposing to me? And I'm like, yeah, kind of for my son. <laughs> and um, it's been amazing. So, um, but what if I would have made this, like, horrible face in front of her? Or I would have said, well, Christian, believe in, you know, I would have just turned her off, and she would have, like, zipped, right? So I have learned to develop a poker face. Even when my kids come and say, well, I did this. Poker face, poker face. Okay. What are we going to do about that? What do you think we need to do? So um, so I really want you to be able to look at yourself in the mirror and picture them telling you something that would blow you out and picture how you were, are not going to make a face about that. So, um, So if you don't develop that relationship with them, there is no way you're going to be able to instill rules. They're not going to listen to you. They're, they're just not. So this is parenting your team. Recognize how uh, today's teams connect. Um, lack of emotional connections. Increased access to developing fantasies. You know, there's these all kinds of games that you can play on the Internet that just suck them in. And it's like, I mean, there's, for us, Facebook, there's certain things that can suck us into those things. Pressure to fit the prototype, right? So um, you're going to have to pick your battles. I had um, a client in, in um, it's actually a divorced couple, and the courts have ordered me to work with them to co-parent. And they have a 12-year-old daughter, and she has this really, really beautiful wavy hair that we would pay hundreds of dollars to, to get. She just has it natural. and um, But mom doesn't like it. And so mom says, well, the deal that I've made with her is three days out of the week, she can fix it. The other four days, I get to fix it. And I'm like, no. Uh -uh. Really, guys? Let's pick our battles. Hair is not going to be one of them. And I know there's some funky hairstyles going around. It's not, it doesn't change who they are. And in fact, it could be a red flag for you. Right? Um, clothes. Now, I will say, that if your daughter's wearing, wants to wear something that you think is immoral, or your son wants to wear his pants in a way that you see more of his underwear than you do the pants, okay, maybe. Um, excuse me. Okay. <laughs> but, um, but let's not let that be the issue, because trust me, your issues are going to be far greater than that. And remember, it, we talk about giving them choices. Yeah, okay, you know, you can wear your hair like that as long as it's clean. I don't care. We had one son, we were going to do family portraits. It's like it's intentional. I don't know. <laughs> and he had his hair like about down to his ear, kind of the style they're wearing now. And then he shaved this hand. And I'm like, don't panic. We're going for pictures. He goes, well, but mom, my hair, I'm like, oh. Yeah, it's fine. They can still take a picture of that. And so we have a family portrait of Ron with half of one side, the other side. Yeah. It's not my, I'm not going to fight that. It's like, oh, my God, what did you do? Yeah, we're going to pick our battles, okay? Um, earrings. You know, I had one son that wanted earrings. And I said, no, you know what? I'll tell you why. Because the kids that you want to hang out with that have these earrings, I don't like where they're going. So, Sorry. Now, another son wanted earrings. Now, he was 
great in school, an athlete. He was, and I talked to his coach. I said, what do you think? And he said, it's not going to change who he is. So I let him wear earrings. Of course, every time he'd go onto the court, he had them, and the coach would take them away. And he had to pay for one if he wanted any more. So one son would say, well, why did you not let me? And I said, because of your motive, right? Your motive. I am not going to treat my kids like cookie cutters. The Bible says that we're to know our children. Raise up a child in the way. Yeah. Not the, you know, so, so let's know, and we talked about that last week, let's look at each child and work on how we're going to uh, raise each one of them and what their motives are for that. But again, if you don't have that relationship with them and they go, I want to do this, and you go, no. If you don't have that relationship with them, they're going to rebel tremendously. Um, the lack of face-to-face engagement in relationships, right? The, whether it's texting, um, you know, Facebook, Internet. We really, our children, they are the most technological generation ever to have lived. But unfortunately, what's happened is we've taken out the relationships. We've taken out the face-to-face. Um, and so we have to, again, life is about balance. It really is about balance because any one of us could be great at one thing. But when people say, you know, when I have clients come in and, and you know, one will say, well, I've reached the ladder of my career and, you know, I'm the biggest producer. And, and I'm like, great. How are you as a mom? How are you as a friend? How are you as a son or a daughter? How are you, you know, so anybody can succeed in one thing. What we want, what we want in our life is that balance. And so for kids, yes, we don't want to say you cannot do this, you can't do that, but we want to make sure that there's a balance. Pay attention to the nonsense. Pay attention to the nonsense. I have a uh, a kid that I had to have him sign uh, an agreement the other day day that he would not hurt himself, he would not commit suicide, because um, he started dating a little girl of a different ethnicity, and his brother was making fun of him. His mom was making fun of her. His dad was making fun of her. And and he's ready to take his life about it. Guys, when they come to you about an issue, I, I don't care how, you know, they break up with somebody, oh, you'll get over it. No, they're dying at that moment. It's nonsense to us, maybe, but it's not to them. If she tells me there's monsters in the closet, I'm going to believe her. I'm going to go in with my 9 millimeter, and I'm going to act like I took it out. Right? You cannot – You in, in another life when I worked with cancer patients, I had um, a, a cancer patient that came in, and I had to lay her on the table, and all these pills fell out of her robe. And I said, Mary, what are you doing? And she said, they're trying to kill me on the fourth floor. I said, why are they trying to kill you? She goes, well, my husband complains about the service. And, and this was a military hospital I worked in. Um, and so I called up, you know, the major, and I said, you need to move her. He goes, Diane, you know we're not trying to kill her. It doesn't matter what I think. It's what she thinks. If you don't validate your team and you discount the things that they're going through, they will keep it in. And they will, it's going to come out, it's going to come out in different ways. So um, pay attention to those nonsense. Stop whatever you're doing. If they're giving you an opportunity to talk, whatever it is, stop what you're doing. If you can, if if you can't, like if it's you know you're in the middle of supper, you're trying. You know what? 
some, let me finish. And you know, as soon as we're done, set a time. As soon as we're done, let's let's go get an ice cream. Let's go get something to drink. Let's go. Let's go. You know, whatever. But you need to take everything that they come to you with very seriously, um, and understand the differences in culture. And that's very much, um, you know, like your son and daughter may start dating someone of a different culture. And you want to be sensitive to those things because, like this kid, like I said, ready to take his life because his family was making fun of It was hard for him to make friends. He's never had a girlfriend. And then the one time he gets one, his family's mocking her. So be careful. <coughs> Parenting your teen. Recognize, um, let's see, it didn't go. Okay, parenting, take opportunities to connect. There's going to be disappointment, celebration, losses, conflicts, relationships. Um, you know, so I have the phone up there, and it, you know, it looks like they're texting. Sometimes we just have to get in their world. I don't like any of this, like, texting. I They go. Duh, 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 duh. I saw on TV the other day, this lady had surgery because she text, She does so much texting. Um, so she had surgery so she could keep doing it. Okay, well... I had this, um, these clients in my office, and I asked the boys um, if there's one thing that mom could change, and this is some of the questions, if there's one thing that mom could change, what would it be? And the older boy said that she not be texting while we're driving. And I said, is she texting when she's at the, a red light or a stop sign? He goes, all the time. Wow, what are we modeling Right, and 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 I working with a family who lost a son because somebody was texting while they were driving. So, um, but what I'm saying is, kind of get into their world. Um, you know, I have a son that's very quiet, very funny. Um, sometimes you just have to put the message out there. So I'll text him and leave it out there, let him respond when he wants. But it's not when I'm driving, and it's not everything. It's just certain situations, disappointment. Um, you know, so they come home, they didn't make the football. You know, I had a son that had tried out for the basketball team, a very good uh, basketball player. And the coach called me and said, oh, Diane, you know what? He, he almost made the team, but since he hadn't gone to some of the, um, you know, some of the classes during the summer and all that, he wasn't able. Well, I was divorced, so he spent the summers with his dad, so I had no control of that. And so he's telling me, but he's a great player. And I said, did you tell him? Or are you just calling and telling me? Why don't you call and tell him? And um, so you look at their disappointment and, and you try and, and handle them in a way that um, that sympathizes but says, okay, so now what do you do? What do you think you ought to do now? You know, instead of us saying, well, that's okay. You know what? You didn't really want to make the team. And we're going to do that, 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 that. No. You know, son, well, now what do you think you ought to do? What do you think we ought to try and work on? Give them... The, the ability to think about what they're going to do because from the time our children are born, we're getting them ready to leave us, right? And sometimes we're that helicopter parent that's so protective and we think we've done a great job and they leave us and they fail. That's why I tell parents, a lot of the kids go off to college. At 18, they are not like we were at 18, right? And if you've done all this hovering and decision-making for them, when they leave, they're going to fail, and then they're going to be in school. You're going to waste that year of money of a college. They're going to come back, and you're going to have to start doing what we should have done when they were 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 years old. Celebration. I mean, 
um, be a part of their celebrations as far as they'll let you. Make a big thing about the accomplishments that they've made. And we talked about uh, one of my other sons played basketball, and uh, we have we have the tendency to say, oh, I was so proud of you when you made that shot, right? Well, they could answer back. So if I wouldn't have made the shot, you wouldn't have been proud of me? And you know what? It doesn't matter that I'm proud of him. So what I say is, you must have been proud of yourself. And if you didn't make it, what do you think you ought to do? Well, maybe I ought to practice a little bit more. Sure, and you know what? I'll go out there with you, right? Um, conflict. The way you handle conflict. Okay, Miss Sophia, you need to sit down because um, I need to talk to you. Are you wanting to hold me? Um, but right now, <laughs> um, the way you handle conflict, you're modeling everything for them. So I've worked with a lot of divorce cases, um, and the parents cannot even be in the same room together. They can't talk to each other, and they go, I just love my kids. I'm like, no, you don't, because what's more important to you is that you have your way or that you want to make the other parent pay, and the whole time... Do not even tell your children, don't be fighting at school, because you're fighting with his other parents. So the way you handle, remember, you are the model. And even at this age, your kids are still looking to you. And so you, whatever, how you handle conflict with each other. My husband and I can have the most amazing debates. We both love to debate. But at the end of the day, we get up from the table. Our kids are watching us like ping pong balls. We're never rude. We never are condescending. We never call each other names. We talk about the facts. And when we're done, we're like, okay, let's see. Okay. I need to look a little okay for together. Um, so, so how you handle conflict is the way they're going to handle conflict. Okay. And then relationships, right? So the way you handle relationships, the way they hear, the way you as a mom and dad, or if you're a single parent, the way you handle relationships, the way you treat your parents. A lot of you may be in what we call the sandwich generation. It's uh, the generation that have children and they have older parents that they may have to kind of take take care of or uh, do things for. So that's a tough uh, place to be because you've got your children and you've got your parents. Um, but the way you handle relationships with your spouse, with your girlfriends, with your work, your you know your coworkers. She's been with me at work, and she's, you know, so the way you handle relationships is the way they're going to look at hand, handling relationships. Life factors. Okay, so we all, we talk about there's things that happen in our life that, um, that really can be a paradigm shift for our kids because they are for us. Um, it, it could be situational. Uh, situational, accidental, or unexpected, like environmental. Um, it could be um, crime, an event, divorce, running away, family conflict. Um, this case where the 12-year-old boy was killed. Don't you know that his older brothers are having problems dealing with that? Um, so, um, and the situational, accidental, or unexpected, Okay, mom or dad has to do a job transfer. And um, I worked a lot with the military, and that, that was hard on the kids. So um, you just have to, again, however you respond. And I'll tell you all a little 
Um, and I know some of y'all from, from Briar Hill are here. Um, when Briar Hill opened, I had, it's a, it's a middle school in Highland Village. When Briar Hill opened, I had a sixth grader, a seventh grader, and an eighth grader. Baptizing the place. But I can tell you the moms and I have gone and prayed over the school and, and everything about that. And, um, and so anyway, recently, recently there was, um, the issue of, uh, different boundaries in our school district. And there was the possibility that some of the children in Highland Village were going to have to go to another school. And I, I totally get that you move into a city for a reason, you want to be in a certain school. But again, the way that you handle it is the way they're going to respond. So, so yeah, we didn't want that. We didn't want our kids to have to go somewhere else. But you always have to look at what's the worst case scenario that they have to go. Let's say they have to go. The way you responded, if it was like, oh, my gosh, it's going to be terrible, it's not as good, you're not going to go with your friends, what are you setting them up for? It's like uh, when my husband and I were married, he was military. We were both working at the military hospital, and he had assured me that the last two years of his military would be done in my hometown, San Antonio. We were going to be able to stay there, and that didn't happen. We had to move to Illinois. And I remember looking, my car had broken down, I remember looking at a map, and they had all the states, and they had these little icons for every state, and for Texas they had like a, a, a oil well and um, longhorn. I looked at Illinois, and it had pigs and corn. <laughs> <laughs> and I called my mother going, I'm going to pigs and corn. <laughs> but my boys, my kids never knew how I felt. It's like, oh my gosh, it's going to be exciting, we're going to have snow. You know, blah, 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 and then after they go to bed, I'd go cry myself to sleep. But it didn't matter. The expectation that I was giving them was that it was going to be an adventure, right? But if they see us bucking things, and then they have to go anyway because we don't have control over some things, they're going to go with those same anxieties that we've instilled. So um, development, life transitions, life transitions is going from middle school uh, to high school, going from elementary to middle school. So let me just say, um, generally speaking, for boys, the seventh grade is probably the worst in their life. And parents will say, it's usually the seventh or eighth grade, he's not the same kid. I'm like, I know. But they'll bring him back, whoever took him, will bring him back <laughs> in a year or two. Just hang out. And for girls, it's a lot, fifth grade and sixth grade. I remember helping out at the school, and the fifth grade girls, I had to weigh them and take their height. I had one girl that weighed like 96 pounds, and she said, please don't say my weight out loud. Wow. Society says we're supposed to look like this. And so, so our kids are freaking out about what society says. And that's why, and I said this before, and, and I, I know that there's some people that may disagree, the father-daughter relationship is huge. If you don't instill in your daughter that she's all that, She's going to find somebody that will. And so you have to have those daughter dates. You have to have daughter, father-daughter dances that we do around the cities all the time. You have to participate in those things because you, and, and we can go, it's a whole other study about why that's the case, goes from Adam and Eve, um, but you are the one dad that will tell her of her true value. 
And if you're a single parent, then you have to do what I did, is I brought other adults into my children's lives to spend the time to instill those values for them. So, um, so please be real cognizant of that. Developmental stages, it's this tug of war. They're fighting to, to let go of you, but they need to know you're there. So one day they're going to walk in and they're all hunky-dory. The next day the hormones are kicking in and you are the worst person they've seen that day. And you're going to get the wrath. Um, and you have to say, you know, you have to have those boundaries. That, you know, they come in, they may be yelling. You have to be able to say, you know what, I, when, when you're able to calm down a little bit, we can have that conversation. But you can only say that if that's what you do, right? <clears throat> if you're hollering and screaming at them, then that gives them permission to do the same. Um, so during these developmental stages, from birth, if we live to be 100 years old, this age group, the teen age group, is the worst ever in our lives. Because you're changing developmentally, you're changing physically, it is the worst time. So be encouraged that it's for a spell, and then when they get older, they will come back and be the kids that you thought they were. But um, but it is the most difficult time of their lives, and they need you. They just really, really, really need you. Um, except existential or growth stages, career change, spiritual, cognitive, or emotional growth. I had a child that... Um, that his parents divorced, and he was very angry with God. He's like, how could God do this to us? He didn't even want me to talk about God. He went completely the opposite um, because there had been a huge life transition in his life. And he loved his mom, loved his dad, so who could he blame? He could blame God. And that's okay for a time, right? But, um, but just be aware that those life changes are huge for them. Um, cognitive and emotional. So when we're younger, we think black, when we say we think black, black and white, we think concrete. Things are black or things are white, right? There's no in between. As they start to grow older, the goal is that they start to think more abstract, right? Like we should be thinking abstractly and we should be open to new ideas. We shouldn't be everything black and white because that's not, you've not developed um, developmentally if you're still thinking that way. So as they start to get into that, from that concrete um, to that abstract, they're going to challenge a few things. And remember I said um, last week, if um, they ask you to do something and you say no and they say why, you can't say because I said so because I'm your parent, right? You can't do that because they don't get how you came to that decision, and really, all our time with our kids is about educating them. So they want to know. Now, you don't owe them 15 explanations, right? We said that, too. But why? Da, 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 da. But why? I'm, I'm sorry. I gave you my explanation. I'm sorry. You know, maybe next time, whatever. So, um, so you have to feed into the fact that they're trying to become abstract in their thinking. And they want to know what, how and why you come to the decisions that you made. And so, so it's important to let them know that. Know what they know. Um, because we're Christians, I can tell you I have just as many kids that are on drugs, that are cutting, that are doing all those things. Really, they are. Um, so you have to be educated and prepared. 
that comes with that poker face. And kind of like I said last week, be educated. Um, I would I would tell my boys we're going to have sex education, and they're like, Mom, we know more than you do. And I'm like, Okay, that's great. Let's do this test that I've developed. And if you pass the test, we don't have a sex education class. And like I said last week, they never passed because I kept adding new stuff that they didn't know. So we got to have, I mean, I taught my boys sex education. Again, I go back to saying that's not the job of our schools. It's our job, right? It's, to me, the parent's job. Um, so be prepared to educate. Be ready for common questions. So when you were young, did you smoke pot? Did you drink? Did you ever da, da, da? be prepared for how you're going to answer them? And I can tell you, kids will say, just tell us the truth. When we try and sugarcoat it, or, because if we're perfect, they'll feel they can never achieve who we are. And if they do something, they're not going to control you because you're perfect. If you go, you know what? Yeah, I screwed up. I did a lot of dumb things in my life. And these are some of the things that I've learned. Right? So... Uh, be ready for those questions. Practice it so when it comes, you can answer it. Um, know and share what you believe. A lot of times kids will say, well, I don't even know what my parents believe about drinking. I don't know what my parents believe about safe sex. I really don't know. And you're thinking, okay, but we're from a parent. But a lot of times the kids, they've never sat down, and we talked about family meetings last week, and they've never shared what their values are with their children. So um, so they need to know what you believe. So, you know, we've got marijuana, prescription medication, which is the new farm parties. They call them farm parties for pharma pharmaceutical parties where all these kids get together and they've taken out all your drugs from your medicine cabinets and they start exchanging them. And they don't even know what they are and they're experimenting with them. So... Don't assume because you may have made a lot of investment in your children. And like I said last week, you know, God is a perfect parent, but we still rebel. So even if you were a perfect parent, your children may still rebel. Don't assume that you can leave your prescription medication. You know, you went to the dentist, you got some pain pills, blah, blah, blah. Don't assume that you can leave them where any your teens or their friends can find them. Um, huffing. Methamphetamines, once you've done methamphetamines, it's real hard to come off of. I have some clients that have come off of it, but I'm telling you, it's the most difficult thing. Um, and then over-the-counter. So now you know that there's some medication you've got to sign for. You've got to show your ID. Why? Because these kids were getting this stuff, mixing it together. Um, I mean, it happens in, in our city. You know, I lived in Highland Village. I live in Highland Village. And, and we busted a, 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 a methamphetamine stuff that was going on. So don't assume, not in my neighborhood, not with my kids, you need to study up on these things. And um, and actually have the conversation with your kids about it so that they know that you know. What drugs are methamphetamine? Um, can you give me an example where it like heroin? Or no, they actually mix. They can cook it. They mix um, Sudafed. Um, Those are methamphetamine. Yeah. That's why, now you know if you go to the store, you have to go to the pharmacy. Yeah. Why? All those type of drugs are ones that they can mix together. Um, so they, so what they do is they buy them in bulk. So now you can't, you know, 
they even have, if you go to one pharmacy, you go to one pharmacy to another, they're all already figuring out pharmacies how to crack down on that. They're breaking into the pharmacies and stealing them. So um, it, it's, it's like you have to be cognizant of what they're doing. I mean, they can buy NyQuil and try and overdose on that. So you just, you just, and again, what they see you do, are we medic for every single thing, or do we try to work through some of these conflicts? And I will tell you, in my practice, I am about using medication at times. I believe that you have. I absolutely believe that you have to for a season. Um, but you have to be careful, and they have to know that you're not abusing them. So that they, and you have to, I'm telling you, whether it's your liquor bottles, look and see how much is gone. You know, because um, there is, and I know there's a lot of controversy, um, there is nowhere in the Bible where it says not to drink. And then people, um, what it says is not become drunken. Um, and people will say, well, it, you know, the wine back in Christ's time was not fermented. Uh, yeah, it was. In fact, that's why they could call Christ a drunkard, right? So it's not black and white. It's not no drinking. I'm never going to drink in front of my kids. It's important if you are, if you do, have a glass of wine, a beer, for them to see you have one, two, and you're done. What's not okay is for them to see the abuse. Um, so have these discussions with your kids. And the more informed you are, so, you know, you were asking about what are methamphetamines. So, you know, you, you run into your kid, you're like, you're not going to believe what happened. Do you know that this drug, that they were, people were buying these things? So that they know that you know. They want to know that you know. Risky adolescent behavior. behavior and we know about sexting. Wow. This is huge. Huge, huge, huge. Parents will come in and go, I'm not going to believe what I found on my child's phone. I'm like, yeah, I will. You know. So it's people send nude, semi-nude, or otherwise risque pictures or videos of themselves or others via the cell phone. The person receiving the picture video can easily download it onto Internet where millions of people can view it. Nothing is safe. It's not safe. These, these technological uh tools that we use, websites, the MySpace, the Facebook, Twitter, they're not secure. Addition, you know, you've heard about these uh, kids that have committed suicide because of the bullying that was going on. So what do you do with your computer? You put it in a area in your home where it can be seen at all times. Right? So that you can walk by. I had this one client, great Christian parents. I cannot tell you. Great Christian parents. She and I did a Bible study together, um, and they had a son that was in sports, and his coach was pushing, 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 pushing him, pushing him, pushing him. He never relayed that to his parents, and um, and so one day a friend comes, rings the doorbell, and tells the dad, hey, you know, I'm here to see so-and-so, and um, and dad says, well, he's not in his, he's not, I don't know where he is. He goes into his room, fortunately, the laptop was still up. With his suicide note, he was in the garage, had taken rat poison, and was killing himself because of the pressure that his coach had put on him, right? And these are not parents that were ignoring their children. So I'm telling you, it's we don't understand the pressures that even maybe we're not giving them. Somebody else may be giving them. Um, it's just the worst time for a kid, and when you have people that are bullying or people that are drawing them in sexual. And, and can I tell you that even when we first moved here, 
um, which was about 16 years ago. I was always very involved in my kids' school. One of the teachers said, Diane, boys have not changed that much. Girls have really changed. So, um, and I experienced that by a mother who called one time saying, you know, your son keeps calling my daughter and, you know, harassing her and blah, blah, blah. Well, I had notes that she had written him that I took out of his drawer and I kept with me where she was saying, please come to my house. My mom's not home after school. Da, 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 da. Why are you ignoring me? Da, 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 da. And, I, and I invited the parents over and I said, this is what your daughter's doing, right? So you've got to be on top of things. Um, violence, you know, the gangs, school, um, reckless driving, you know, reckless driving. Our kids start driving pretty early. Um, I chose to teach my kids how to drive. Yes, it was a pain. I thought I was going to kill them and myself. But um, but I wanted them to know, and I wanted to know what they were listening to, what they were being taught. Unmanaged stress. So typically your very verbal child comes home and starts going into their room. Now, it's not unusual for the teens to want to be alone. Okay. Parents get all freaked out sometimes that, well, he just wants to be in his room. She just wants to be in her room. It, it, it's that part of finding out, you know, their, their individuality, their identity. There are times that they want to be there. But, again, you have those boundaries that they come out for dinner. You know, they you go in there and say, hey, how are things going? You have to snoop. I'm okay with snooping. I am perfectly okay with snooping. Um, we should snoop. Their phones, their computers. I remember um, – one son, I remember seeing these, when I was cleaning the bathrooms, like these little brown, you know, like specks, and I thought, what the heck is this? So one of my friends was there, and, and she says, you know what, it looks like chewing tobacco. I'm like, chewing tobacco? Okay. So um, so I asked his son, son, are, are you chewing tobacco? He goes, no, Mom, I'm, I'm not doing that. It's not that I would, I just wanted to know. He goes, no, I'm not doing that. So anyway, they went off to school, and I said, Lord. I need you to show me where that chewing tobacco is. <laughs> so I start looking through his room, and I cannot find it. I cannot find it. And he had gone uh, to this little military academy at, at one time in his life, and I was walking out the door, and the Lord said, his uniform. I'm like, his uniform? He hasn't worn that in five years. Yeah, that's why he hid it there. I go in, pull out the tobacco, little round case. He comes home, I'm like, you're not going to believe what I found when I was cleaning your thing. He goes, Oh, that must have been from like a couple of years ago. And I go, huh, the date says March. <laughs> Guys, we need to be smarter than they are. And we really are. We just need to be there. So um, so reckless driving, the unmanaged stress, self-injury. You know, we do have um, eating disorders. We have uh, kids that pull out, that are pulling out their hair, that are cutting. We do have those things. That's the way they feel, the only way they can deal with it. So, But we need we need to be so connected that we can't let any of that get by us. You know, you start noticing that they're wearing long sleeves all the time, or they eat a little bit, and then you hear them in the kitchen at 2 in the morning, right, gobbling down half a pound of sugar, or eating three steaks and then throwing up. You know, we've got to be diligent. Um, unprotected sex. You know, um, that's a huge thing. And it's a lot of times it's cultural. Legal problems, The tr you know, they get in trouble. I have this family that the court sent me, and the family has four children, 
the two older boys are juveniles. They've already been arrested, da da da. And so I brought the parents in, and um, I said, "Mom, Dad, do you think it's kind of unusual that one family would have two children that are juveniles?" And Dad says, "I said, you know, how much time are y'all able to spend with them?" And Dad said, "I have a restaurant. That's what my business is. I have to make money to feed my family. I need to have money to survive. That's where my my life is." And I said, "Yeah, but you know that money that you're making." Where it's going now is to the courts, to probation officers, to me, and your children are headed down a road that they won't be able to return from. So we have to look at, is it worth what you're doing? That money that you're getting is not being spent for your family to eat and have a roof over their head. Now it's being spent on all the legal things they have to do. Truancy, you know, we had a son. My husband would drop him off. You go in the front door, go right back out the back door. <laughs> and um, so, you know, they um, sent us a letter and all that, and we had to sit with him and, you know, and kind of come to Jesus. And this was the same kid, I think, for those of you that were here last uh, week, that I said he was he was a class clown cutting up. And uh, I said, son, you have a choice, right? We always want to say, you have a choice. Um, you can kind of straighten up so that you're not the class clown, or I'm just going to have to go to school with you and be in every class. <coughs> Mom, you can't do that. Yeah, it's called shadowing. And I've already talked to the principal, the teachers, they all know me, and they're like, sure, Ms. Costa, come on in. So, of course, he kept up with his little class clown behavior. And uh, that next week, I'm up with them making lunches, and I'm packing me a lunch. He goes, where are you going? I go, we're going to school today. And I was in every class with him. And, of course, the kids knew me, so it was a lot of fun. But it stopped him. He started to behave. A relationship abuse, I have young girls that will say, but he loves me. He wants to know where I am, where I'm going, who, am I, who I'm with, why I wear what I'm like. No, honey, that's not called love. That's called control. Right? So mom and dads, you need to know who these people are that your kids are hanging out with. Right? And, um, and a lot of times I would just bring them over to the house because I've got control of them. Yeah, bring them all over. You know, I had one son that would bring everybody that he met over. But at least I had control during that time. And I would say when they come in, you know what? These are the rules of the house. I love that you're here. I would feed them. I'd keep my refrigerator. I love that you're here. But let me just tell you the rules of my house. And you know what? They liked that we had that comfort, those rules. That, because then we sit down and we eat. We have, and, and if they're not learning that at their home, you have an opportunity to show that at your home. Um, and running away. So um, that's uh, that's another big issue that I have right now with girls. A lot of girls are, are running away, and uh, they feel like they can't talk to their moms or their dads. Their dads are too strict, so they don't go to their dads. The mom lets her do what she wants, so then mom and dad are fighting because of the problems. You know, you have to come together as a couple and agree on what you're going to do. Or if you're a single parent, what I did is all my family that my kids spent time with knew what my rules were, and we enforced them. So um, things that are not together are divided. And so I, shoot, I played the game. I go to my dad and I say, Dad, Mom said it's okay with her if it's okay with you for me to go to the mall. Your mom said it was okay? Yeah. Well, okay, that's fine. I go to Mom. Mom, Dad said it was okay with him if it was okay with you. And the truth is, that because they didn't talk to each other, I, I could do whatever I wanted. 
So you, united you stand, and so do your children. Divided, that's how your kids are going to be. So other risky adolescent behavior, we talked about safe injury, unprotected sex, pregnancy, um, legal problems, truancy, relationship abuse, family abuse, running away, the violence, the gangs, the school, the reckless driving, the unmanaged stress. Um, pregnancy, I, um, one of the jobs I did in the hospital was ultrasound. And that's when it first came out. They had sent me for uh, training on that. And I remember I had like a 15-year-old girl that um, they brought in. She came with her dad. And um, and they said, well, we just don't know. She's been really sick. Da, 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 da. So we did an abdominal ultrasound. And I'm like, I'm like, she's pregnant. And I told the little girl, honey, you know you're pregnant? She goes, no, I've never had sex. And I'm like, well, there was only one Virgin Mary, and I really don't think that that's you. And so once we got past the fact that, yes, you are pregnant, um, Sophia, nobody includes. Um, once we got past the fact that she was pregnant, she started crying and saying, my dad's going to kill me. My dad is going to. So I went and I spent time with dad, and I said, dad, she is sick. She's emotionally sick because she feels like she can't come to you at all. So we were able to kind of start with that, and then I'd go, and by the way, great news, grandfather. <laughs> but by the time I finished with him, he was able to go in, embrace her, and say, honey, we're going to work through this. We're going to work through this. Right. But think of how she went through those six months, scared out of her mind of what was going to happen. When all we needed to do, so if your kids, get them into counseling too. If there's issues that they won't talk to you about, we talked about this last week, they love to talk to us. They do because they don't know us, so they have no emotional ties, and they'll tell you, tell us everything that they're feeling. And it may take a while. You know, if it's, it's a deep-seated thing, we may have to start pulling out, you know, what happened. What happened? How did this all start? And it, and it can be a very deep-seated issue. So we talked about the Internet. Nothing digital is private anymore. Nothing you post on the Internet ever really goes away. Nothing you post on the Internet is ever really anonymous. Don't engage in sexting because of peer pressure. Keep computer in the common area. Remember we talked about that? Um, and the thing is that you have to be okay with what you're doing on the computer as well. Right? So I had a son go, well, why can't I do it? My dad wants it. <coughs> Pornography. He gets on the web. He looks up, you know, and I'm like, okay, let's, dad's the next guy in session next week. Um, keep computer comment. Have a MySpace Facebook. Know your kids' passwords. Allow appropriate privacy. Now, there is, you know, kind of the rule of thumb is you're going to give them freedom to make choices, right? It's always about those choices. So you've got to give them some freedom. <gasps> So that when they make those bad choices, you can say, okay, now we're going to have to put these things in practice. Four goals of misbehavior, attention, revenge, power, and display of inadequacy. So, and this goes all ages. So if the only time you're recognizing them is when they're doing bad and they want attention, what are they going to do? Be bad. Revenge, you've done something that they're upset about, and they're going to go after you. They're going to be passive-aggressive and go without talking to you for a few days. You just have to let it ride out. Power, 
You've taken complete power away from them. That's why choices are important. There are times when we want to enforce our power, and there's the times with the hair, the clothes, that we want to let them have some power or display of inadequacy. You know what, son? Um, I know you want to do this. I had a father whose son wanted to be a NFL basketball player. He said, you'll never be that. Just get it into your head. You're never going to be that. And I would tell dad, is there a different way that we can handle this? Long story short, work with the family. This kid ended up getting a scholarship for basketball. And now he's, and, and one day you may know his name. But don't underestimate what God has for your child. You are not the, the, the dictator of his life. You are the person that God has entrusted to help this child in the way they should go. Let them dream. You know, let them dream because we never know what God has for them. Um, so you'll see the discipline. You can take that home. With, um, distract your child. Ignore misbehavior. Structure the environment. Control the situation. Involve the child. So read that. So, you know, God told Noah to make the ark of gopher wood. Now, that was a specific thing God asked him to do. But he gave Noah freedom to do other things. But So you're going to have specific, specifics for your child and then give them the freedom to do other things. So he, he had the choice on the tools or the methods that he would use to construct the ark. Basic rule is going to be timeout or reflection room, and that may be for you, timeout. I'll be right back. Mom needs a timeout. And you just go in the closet and scream or do whatever you have to do. But there's times we need it. Validate their feelings. Remember, we talked heavily about that. Give them countdown time. Respect. If, if you don't respect, then people are like, why should I respect them? They're my kids. No, they're not yours. God gave them to you. He's asking you to respect them so that they can learn in turn to respect you. Think of the prodigal son. There will be a time that they may go out, but as long as you've created that safe environment, that foundation for them, um, there may be times that it may be when they're 40, but you just pray for it. And the prodigal son doesn't, um, is it just, you know, you all know the story, but if you don't know it enough, read it again. It's not just about the son that left. It's also about the son that stayed. Um, how would you treat them if they were your exchange student? Do you know we treat our friends, we treat everybody else better than we do our spouses, our own kids? You picture going home, and you look at him and go, somebody's entrusted him to me from another country. How am I going to impart my knowledge, my love, um, all those type of things. And uh, don't dream a, a, be a dream shatter. We talked about that. So these are the top ten fears that children have. I think it's, did I put that in your printout? Do you make, some of these were surprising. I can't find time to do everything. Well, where did they learn that from? I can't tell right from wrong. Did we impart what we believe? Uh, something bad will happen to my family. You know what? We have to trust that whether I'm there or I'm not there, God is there for you. Um, and these are suggested readings. Um, these suggested readings are for the earlier ages, and then these suggested readings are the survival handbooks. The Disconnected Generation, amazing book, if you haven't read that. Um, so I know here we go fast again. I feel like there's so much to impart to you, and um, but... We'll meet again next week. Hopefully you'll be here, and we'll look and see what Rock Point teens have to say um, about homes.